at the Boise Nampa Institute are so grateful that so many of you out there across the world are listening uh, from week to week. It's a humbling experience to, uh, to have you out there listening and to think that anything that we say might have some value to others is, is wonderful. Uh, we think also that it's important that our voices aren't the only voices out there. So we've created a Facebook page called the Come Follow Him Podcast Group. That's the name, Come Follow Him Podcast Group. And we hope that this might be a place for our audience members to come together and share some thoughts and insights from week to week. In fact, we would love for that to be maybe even an institute class for some of you that are 18 to 30 years old. Each week, we're going to post a question relevant to the discussion that we had on the podcast. And we'd love to have each of you respond to the question or really any aspect of the discussion that we had. Once you respond there, someone from our institute will reach out after the first time you respond and find out if you want to take this as a class to receive some institute credit. All you have to do is three things. One is every week you'd listen to the podcast, which you're already doing, so good job. Uh, Second, log into the Facebook group. Again, that's the Come Follow Him podcast group. Find the question for the week, respond to that question, or again, make any comment you want based on the conversations we had, and you'd get credit for attending. We'll keep track of your comments, and if you've allowed us to register you for the online class, uh, we'd give you a credit for each week you participate in the discussion. And then anyone that uh, comments more than 75% of the time on posts that we put out there, uh, you'll get institute credit towards the class. So. Hopefully that's a, a resource for some of you out there with institutes far flung from you. We want that to be a, 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 an option for you. Uh, really, we want everyone out there to participate in this discussion uh, online. So no matter where you live, we'd love to hear your insights into the Come Follow Him conversations that we're having. And if you'd also like to institute credit, we can help you get that too. Either way, log into the Facebook page. Simply go to the search field and type Come Follow Him Facebook group. Again, that's the Come Follow Him Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you all just a little bit better as we all learn to come follow Him. Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions as we have learned to come follow him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you. I am blessed to be with my dear friend, John Gagnon, brother John Gagnon. Before I uh, got this recording going. I had just started one where I called him Jan Gagnon, and, and that was wrong. Um, but he corrected and said that Jan is, what was it again? I think in Dutch, I think Jan is John. John, and, and so Dutch. I was just yeah. speaking Dutch yeah, was all. that's all. <laughs> Brother, welcome. It's good to have <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's good um, to be with you. We uh, today are going to be in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapters 1 through 7. 
And uh, I, I just love uh, John. He's a dear friend of mine. We've taught near each other for most of my seminary and institute career, actually. And uh, so blessed to be with you here today. Thank you. Good to be with you. Anything new in your family that we should talk about before you, we move on? Don't think so. Just got a son waiting to go on a mission. And, that's right. Uh, getting ready, um, getting prepared as the dental work and all that has to yeah, be done to right. get ready for that. And then yeah. he'll uh, he'll take off maybe next spring. Good. So, Good. Yep. That's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, Second uh, Corinthians. So it's the beginning of this, and, and maybe I'll share a little bit of context. And if you've got anything you want to add, feel free. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll just turn it over to you, and you can teach us. Um, after 1 Corinthians had been written and sent uh, and the Corinthians received it, Titus brings news back to Paul that uh, the letter had been received and it had been received well. And then um, some Jewish teachers had arrived in Corinth and were teaching uh, the, the saints there that they needed to follow Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they they were kind of riling up the saints a little bit, so to speak, and uh, so that's kind of the purpose of the second letter is to help with that. Um, but uh, shortly after the letter had been written, the first Corinthian letter had been written, uh, Paul uh, left um, and went to um, Ephesus where he'd been preaching for a while and there was a, a riot that had broken out. Um, and so he departs Ephesus and heads to Macedonia where, uh, where that riot was. And, um, and so there's, he, he's a little bit drugged from one place to the next, trying to help the saints and settle the waters and, and writing these letters to have, uh, to have assisted in that. And uh, just, it just makes me think about our good brethren today and sisters that serve in leadership assignments for their church and and how they they literally maybe go from from location to location and and help put out fires and help correct doctrines and and what a blessing it is to have a similar makeup today in our in the church. It is, it is, and and, and you can't help but think of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, he went from place to place, and and I think the scriptures say that his uh, didn't have a place to lay his head yeah. because he was so actively trying to teach and bless and. Help others, and here you see Paul be an example. In fact, back in First Corinthians, was a chapter. What was the chapter? We chapter were eleven. To? Chapter eleven. Where? Yeah. Where? Why don't you read that verse for yeah. us? Maybe I think that'd be helpful. Before we hit record, we were talking about how Paul really um, was leading people and asking them to follow him. Uh, we talked about it maybe a couple weeks back in the podcast, but uh, verse eleven, chapter eleven. Sorry, chapter eleven, verse one says, "Be ye followers of me." Even as I also am of Christ, it's pretty direct. Pretty direct, it really is. Hmm. I wanted to kind of start uh, on if you go to the last verse in Second Corinthians chapter one, verse okay. twenty-four. Okay, this kind of struck me, and I think it follows the same theme of of Paul's role in all of this, and and our priesthood leaders' role in all of this, and. Hmm. Um, Verse 24 says, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. And I love the term helpers there, helpers of your joy. I don't know if I've ever heard it written that way, but that's the way Paul saw it. I'm just here to to help bless your life. 
and to bring, you know, to help, help you to find joy in the Savior. And the last part of that is by your faith. It's not about our dominion yeah. over you. It's not the fact that we're your leaders, though that's helpful and important. More importantly is that you stand firm in the faith of Christ, and we're here to help you yeah. come unto the Savior. Yeah, I really like that. If, if we look back at chapter 11, verse 2, after he invites them to come follow him, um, verse 2 says, Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I have delivered them unto you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think his invitation is, basically, I'm your missionary. I'm, I'm the guy that brought you all this stuff. So keep that in your brain when these new Jewish people come to your mm-hmm. community and tell you what you mm-hmm. should be doing. That you've learned clearly the ordinances mm-hmm. and the covenants that you need to keep. And, um, and, and I, again, I, he points to himself a little bit, which is, I think, interesting. And, but like the title of our podcast, Come Follow Him, is ultimately the message, mm-hmm. right? Because as not him not being the Savior himself, he's mm-hmm. pointing them past him to, to the Savior, right? To the Savior. Really interesting. Um, maybe just this, cha- this first chapter, um, Paul goes and gives them some context. And years ago, um, I learned to read chapters and, and mark chapters in such a way that, that they're easy for me to um, summarize very quickly. I learned it from a friend of ours named um, Craig Spute, who's a, who was the institute director here for a long time at the institute and the choir director here before me. And, and he taught me that you can read each verse and just pull out the important things that tell the story. So if you're, if you're okay with it, maybe I'll just chapter one mm. summarize that way. Um, verse three. Now, if you were reading along with me, you're going to recognize I'm skipping a lot of stuff inside of these verses, but, uh, but, but follow along here. Verse three. Blessed be God, the God of all comfort, who comforted us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any tribulation by the comforter wherewith we ourselves are comforted. We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble. This is in verse eight which came to us in Asia. We despaired even unto life. And then verse 9, we had the sentence of death, but in God delivered us from so great a death. Verse 11, yea, also helping together by prayer, uh, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Our rejoicing is not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. I was minded to come unto you before that ye might have second benefit and to come and to pass by you in Macedonia and to come again out of Macedonia and to you. When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness? And then verse 23, moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. So I wanted to be there and uh, I, 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 I tried, but there's some other things going on and, and uh, he had to help in Ephesus and Macedonia and and so there, that, that's just a story way of kind of bouncing through a whole chapter. We actually covered verses 3 through 23 in that short 30-second reading there. But, um, but, that, but that really is just the context of the chapter. But I love that, I love like you've pointed, that uh, uh, he's pointing to the Savior through him. The end of verse 4, uh, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Right, he's he's saying this isn't this isn't just for you. This is helping me too as I'm dealing with all the things I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and haven't you noticed that, that uh, good people that you, including yourself, as I think about what you went through with your family, that when you're comforted by the Savior, uh, it has two purposes, right? To comfort you and your family, but also so that you might serve as a witness. Yeah. That God comforts his people yeah. in their tribulations and in their trials. And so Paul was able to, to say that. As I, he's comforted me. And he will comfort you as well. And I'm here to help in that process. So I appreciate those people that, I, that you know. And you know, you know them. And yeah. they just have a sense about them that's so helpful because they have been through some difficult things. Yeah. And that's our invitation, right? The baptismal covenant. To yeah. bear one another's burdens that they may be light. Mm-hmm. And Paul certainly does that here. Well, maybe there's a maybe there's a message to each of us there too that, you know, come follow me. Uh, being the message the Savior gave, right? And we would always err on the side of not pointing people to ourselves. But is there any ro- anything wrong with saying, hey, I, I figured this out, and, and these are some things that have helped me. Come do it like me, and it'll change your life too. I, I think as a parent, we're given that kind of instruction and direction and guidance. And, and maybe that really is only true for those with which you have a stewardship over. Mm-hmm. Um, but friends and loved ones, can't, couldn't we teach the same kind of a way to, to say, really, it's the Savior that's done this, but let me show you the way that I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Lehi, right? It's mm-hmm. Lehi mm-hmm. standing at the tree and, and beckoning his family, not, not to him, right. but to the tree, the fruit, the, the mm-hmm. things that, you know, showing them the way down this path, hold mm-hmm. on to the rod. And mm-hmm. I, I think there's a, there's a lot for maybe even a young person to, be a little more uh, confident in saying, I am doing this right. And I can be called as an elders quorum president or onto a high council as a 23-year-old mm-hmm. or into a bishopric. And I can, I can be an example and help people say, yeah, come follow me and I'll take you to the Savior. I'll walk that way too. I'm not the perfect example, but mm-hmm. maybe that isn't all wrong. Maybe that's, that's okay somewhere. Well, in word and deed, right? right. Sometimes our teaching is more by by the way we live our lives. Yeah. And um, so I don't think there's anything that goes without saying, right? That's just right. going to happen. The teaching yeah. will happen as people see see us responding in a positive way to the Savior. Yeah, well, well said. So life's challenges, suffering and difficulties. I love it. <clears throat> anything else in one you want to touch on? Should we jump into two? Um, yeah, I just, I just, just real quick before we leave, just I noticed uh, some things we learn about the Savior and about our Father in Heaven. You know, verse 3, you touched on that a little bit. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. Father of mercies, God of all comfort. Um, how often the word comfort is used throughout this chapter. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful just personally for the comfort that, yeah. that uh, we can experience, not just in the big things, but even just the daily, just getting out of bed in the morning yeah. and knowing that you've got a day in front of you, but to know that the Savior is there with you. And, of course, it, it's, a, it's a really helpful to invite. And I think Paul does that throughout, too. He invites us to come unto Christ through repentance and through keeping the commandments and doing all that we can to invite the Holy Ghost to be with us. And, so, and then we feel that comfort when we do that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> the verse, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I determined this within myself that I would not come again to you in heaviness. 
<laughs> for if I make you sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad? But the same which is made sorry by me. I, I want to come to you and have it be happy and a joyful experience because I'm coming probably from some heavy experiences with riots happening in Ephesus and, and uh, helping the Macedonians. And, and, and I want to come and have it be happy and joyful and uplifting. And, mm-hmm. But he, so he's, he's saying, I, I wish I could write and not correct. I just want to... Just want to be joyful, but he does a little correcting, maybe a little bit here. He does. What, uh, what should we look at in chapter two? Well, let's see. Um, uh, like you said, you, you referred to. Um, I just saw the word sorry and mm-hmm. sorrow, and I, I think he definitely feels that. Um, there's that verse four. I think I was referring to earlier. Mm-hmm. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears. Not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And um, so, again, that's his motive, right, to help them come unto Christ. He's not doing it to make them feel uncomfortable, yeah. though he's not afraid to teach the truth. Because yeah. he knows that the second coming, he even refers to that a couple times. I'm trying to prepare you for the coming of Christ. Yeah. Even though it's going to be many hundreds of years later, but... For all of us, death is the second coming in that sense. We need to be prepared for the Savior's return. And he does that here. Yeah, I I think of uh, just the concept that, well, we live in a world where everybody's truth is their own truth. And, you know, (laughs) which isn't true, (laughs) but... uh, Mm. Maybe their own experience is true, that, that they've had a different experience than me and their perspective is different. But it kind of, I'm reminded of the uh, little parable that uh, Elder Uchtdorf gave when he talked about the six blind men of Indostan, mm. who all, they're all blind, and so they all approach an elephant and they come to a different part of the elephant. And, and one of them describes the elephant as a snake because he's feeling his trunk. Um, and one describes him as a broom because he's feeling his tail, and one uh, describes him as a big leaf because he's feeling his thin ear. And and they're all right that their experience was that the the animal reflected those kinds of characteristics, but none of them are right in that they didn't have the full scope, and mm-hmm. and it required someone who saw uh, to be able to see fully what it was that was necessary to. See. To describe that elephant, and maybe Paul, in a similar way, is saying, "I'm, I'm sorry that it's making you angry, that I'm making some corrections here, but I'm not really sorry because it's really helping, helping you understand the truth and fully giving you a, a broader perspective." And and uh, I think that's prophets today too, right? They you get done with conference, and I don't know if you've ever looked at social media response to conference talks, but it's it's pretty, they get laid out pretty quickly right after by detractors and non-members and, and uh, that have gotten offended because the way they said something that was not in line with what the world would say. Mm-hmm. And I think they're sorrowful that people are receiving it that way, but not sorry that they taught the doctrine clearly and directly and wanting it to uh, to be given clear instruction. In, in this chapter also, one of the things that he's invited to do, and, and he's, I think he's also, it's almost as if he's saying, please forgive me for being a little harsh in my mm-hmm. letters and my chastisement of what you're doing and 
encouragement, but um, the principle of forgiveness, um, you know, verse 7, so that contrary-wise, and as he referred to somebody maybe who made a mistake, just in general, mm-hmm. and it's already a punishment that they feel, at least I'm, as I read into this, it's already a punishment. That maybe they feel bad for what they did, mm-hmm. but to not forgive that person, that sure. adds, that adds, it heaps upon them yeah. additional weight right. that we shouldn't shouldn't have. Or, for example, like in conference, they recently talked about a person coming home from a mission early yeah. for whatever reason. Yep. It's not our part to heap upon them, right. but to just move forward and to encourage them and invite them and, yeah. or to forgive them. If, if sure. sorry, not being the case of missionary, there's yeah. not a forgiveness necessary, but it's that attitude that Paul talked about earlier in 1 Corinthians 13, right, about charity, that we're all alike in this. We all struggle with different things. So mm-hmm. be quick to forgive. So he says in verse 7, so that contrarywise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. What a beautiful phrase. <laughs> swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Mm-hmm. And if you compare that with, uh, I don't know if this is, I'm not sure where I found this footnote, but if you recall, it almost sounds like Dr. Covenant's 121, mm-hmm. where it says, reproving betimes with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and then showing forth afterwards an increase of love toward him whom thou hast reproved, lest he esteem the be, thee to be his enemy. Yeah, that, that's verse 8. <clears throat> Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love towards him. For to this end did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. That I want to know that you still love me and that you're, you know, I love you, even though mm-hmm. I've had to reprove you a little bit. Mm-hmm. I love that cross-reference to Doctrine and Covenants and the doctrine we're, we're taught there. In 121, that's wonderful. There's an example again, Paul, to whom ye forgave anything, I forgave also. Yeah, that's verse 10, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I forgave it in the person of Christ. Yeah, that's an interesting phrase at the end of 10. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the... the, Verse 11. Yeah, (laughs) right, verse 11. Lest Satan should get advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. That uh, I, I know what happens when I don't forgive and when I hold a grudge and when I um, I drag that out. I it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. You know, I had a thought um, a couple of weeks ago. I was asked to come up with some um, quotes to put out on a. Um, just out weekly, I think we're, we, uh, we, all of us at the Institute have been asked to come up with some quotes. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I had this idea that this thought came to me um, that it's really hard. I'm looking for it really fast. I wrote it down. I hadn't intended to share this with you. But um, it's really hard for me, at least, to hold on to feelings of gratitude and kindness and mercy towards people um, for longer than those feelings come, right? Like if I'm sitting with oh, you and recognizing yeah. some experiences you've gone through, and mm-hmm. um, I think it's the very prototypical young women around the campfire experience, right? Yeah. Where yeah. it's in the moment when you're learning about each other, you're given a lot of compassion and comfort, yeah. and <laughs> right? And you really understand and love. And mm-hmm. But it's kind of like I have a very minimal storehouse of space for that. And literally, I think I can only contain enough to express 
from day to day, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever I'm given that day as, yeah. and I express. Uh, contrary to that, I'm given an endless warehouse of space to remember offenses and to remember feelings mm -hmm. of things that have, have been done to me and, mm -hmm. and we hold um, side comments or side uh, interactions mm -hmm. that we hear about third hand or second hand or, mm -hmm. and we pile those all into the storehouse on this side of the mm -hmm. camp and, uh, and that is just a never-ending giant room. But from day to day, I almost have to receive the good um, piece by piece and, and moment by moment. And it's just been an interesting realization to recognize that first, uh, I need to thin the big storehouse down a little bit. I, I need mm -hmm. to get rid of that, maybe everything in that storehouse. But, mm -hmm. but second, uh, I think the, the lack of capacity to store up goodwill um, towards others really requires me then to actually do something with the goodwill I feel. Mm -hmm. Say something about it. Tell someone how I feel about mm -hmm. them. Express love and kindness and mercy and mm -hmm. when I feel in the moment because I can't store it for the next time. It's very hard for me, at least, to store it for the next time. So maybe there's something there that uh, in the person of Christ, right, that that is how he uh, forgives um, at the end of verse 10 there. Maybe that's just the way the Savior was. He was just so good at doing it in the moment and lifting and, and, and lightening a burden in the very moment that he felt the need to do it and that he never had the giant storehouse of negatives uh, mm -hmm. kept and stored and held against others. It's kind of an interesting realization for me anyway. Well, and you look at how some people in the midst of and the Savior is a perfect example of this, in the midst of a time when all of his storehouse was being violated, yeah. you know, on the cross or wherever, mm -hmm. he still found a way to give and to serve. Mm -hmm. and, and perhaps that's the, that it's not so much about having the storehouse, mm -hmm. but it's having the faith to act, mm -hmm. to, to, to seek, to, to encourage and lift, even though we ourselves are feeling, yeah. feeling beaten down. Yeah. For some reason, but well, and and it goes to verse eleven that Satan has his devices, mm -hmm. right? And for for whatever reason, in the condition of the fall of man, we have a really great capacity to keep the negative and uh, and remember the negative, and maybe not such a great capacity to remember the godly. And uh, but fourteen, Paul reminds us, we can triumph in Christ. Mm -hmm. I love that little phrase there, triumph yeah. in Christ. Yeah, in 15, mm -hmm. we are unto God a sweet savor mm -hmm. of Christ mm -hmm. in them that are saved and in them that perish. Yeah, I love that idea that we can be something savorable um, on earth. Think about salt and becoming the salt of the earth that is mm -hmm. that brings savory, uh, mouth-watering even to the to the table, and that that is that is those that follow the Savior on earth that we create that. Uh, palpably and tangible goodness um, that, that God needs on earth. Mm -hmm. And uh, not we as individuals, but we pointing past us to the Savior and saying, look look what he's turned me into. Mm -hmm. Come follow me in that way. Very, very cool. Well, to your point earlier, if we don't say something, if we don't, by our example or by our words, if we don't say something, we'll be like the salt the Savior referred to that it's yeah. lost its savor. Cast off. Cast off. Yeah. So we've got to, like Paul, be bold, but yet um, not overbearing. Yeah. <laughs> the ch and charitable. 
Yeah, I really love that. But not, um, what's the word when you, uh, you enab enabling, not yeah. enabling somebody's bad behavior. Yeah. Charitable and loving towards them and helping to forgive them and help them on the, on the right path. So there was, this, there was a talk by Brother Carlos E. A. C. Brother Gagnon, help me remember, uh, from April of 1980. And uh, this, the, let me just read for a minute. So he says, the word savor denotes taste, pleasing flavor, interesting quality, and high repute. The salt in container A, he's holding up a, a little uh, beaker with salt in it, which I am holding in my right hand, has savor. That is, it is clean, pure, uncontaminated, and useful. In this state or condition, salt will preserve flavor, heal, and perform other useful functions. The salt in container B, however, is salt that has lost its savor. Now listen to how it lost it. It has lost its savor because it has been mixed with things of bad taste. In fact, it has taken on some of the color and appearance of other substances. When the Lord used the expression, savor of men, he was speaking of those who represent him. He was referring to those who have repented, who have been washed clean in the waters of baptism, and who have covenanted to take upon them his name. Uh, a world-renowned chemist told me that salt will not lose its savor with age, ever. Savor is lost through mixture and contamination. I just think, that, that comes to my mind often uh, when we talk about salt or savor or whatever. That quote comes to my mind because... Um, I think sometimes we think or we feel that I'm becoming less salty in a good way. I'm, I'm becoming less the way the Lord needs me to be, and I don't know why, and I can't fix it. And but but the reality is, is if I'm pure, if I'm staying as clean as I can be, my saltiness stays, and it's only through contamination that that actually goes away at all, and and it takes on the flavors of the other contaminants that are put in with it. And so with and when I feel like that, I think it's important to look and say, what am I contaminating myself with? What, what extra flavors have I added to the saltiness that should be clean and pure, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, I just love that. I love that, uh, that talk. It's really a great talk from 1980. 1980, it's uh, April of 1980. So. Well, he's speaking to the House of Israel here, right? I mean, this is, they are to be the salt. Yeah. And when he sees or gets hears word that in different cities that they're struggling, their branches are struggling, yeah. and he's trying to remind them that uh, without you being hanging on to your savor, yeah. it, where's the rest of the world going to be salted? How are they going to receive the covenants of the gospel if, yeah. if you're not doing what's right? And so when he calls them to repentance, yeah. that's very much in line with this. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> I love that. So that's two. Anything else in two there? Should we jump into three? Let's go into three. Okay. Yeah. What, uh, what do you love in three? Well, I, I just the first, uh, first several verses here. Um, you, know, you are the fruit of our labors. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really about you. And that's what I said <laughs> earlier, too, about I've just seen that, I've seen that theme throughout. It's not by commendation. It's not by awards or... or People making mention, it is you. It's in your lives mm -hmm. is, is really a commendation to mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And even Elder Holland said uh, recently, uh, let's see if I can find that. Um, um, it's just a simple statement. I, I, I'm not sure where that is now, but he just basically says you, the church is, 
is our reward, the, the goodness of the members of the, of the church. That's really where, where we place our, any accolades we might receive, sure. anything from anybody else, it's, it's the members of the church. Even President Hinckley was asked, well, what, what, what's the real wealth of your church? He says the real wealth of the church is not found in buildings and ledgers, account repayable or accounts, whatever. Receivable, right? Receivable, yeah. right? It's in the hearts and lives mm. of the membership of the church. Mm. And I've always loved that. It makes me want to be better because a prophet of God recognizes the, the worth of our souls. Yeah, and, and, and the question is, is, do we see that? Do we see the value that we contribute to our wards and to our stakes? Um, are we willing to see the Savior in our own actions? Can we see him there? Um, it kind of reminds me back to 1 Corinthians 13, where he's talking about the glass that we see through darkly, mm -hmm. uh, but then to face, face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am now, I am known. And, and it reminds me of the end of this chapter in chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass mm -hmm. the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Can we see ourselves being that um, great contributor to the to the Lord's work? Are we are we seeing what we're offering to our wards as a value? And a, a, can we? You know, I I know people in my own uh, close circles who don't feel like their contribution is needed or wanted, and and. Uh, and I don't know that that's ever true. It might be true that there's a time where your contributions are um, put on the back shelf by the leaders in your ward or um, and the things that you really feel you could contribute in um, are set aside. But isn't it true that in those times we learn more about not only ourselves in other ways, but those things? For me, if my contributions and the things I think I can add to uh, a meeting or a ward or a stake aren't really utilized, um, I kind of sit in the back and think, well, I could do, and I, I could say, and what if, if only I could, right? And I have these, these kinds of thoughts and feelings. And isn't that such a great training ground where the Spirit is teaching you? This, this might be something you would do if you were in, mm -hmm. in the position to lead this organization at this point. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of years and years of not really being asked to uh, utilize your skill set that maybe you've been developing kind of in a closet, as it were, mm -hmm. um, it, it's okay, I think, sometimes for your greatest skills uh, to be set aside in you a little bit and learn some other skills. And, you know, I think it's pretty apparent your, your good wife would, would be able to speak to this too. And you, actually, and, um, you know, those of us that are musicians in the church, we kind of do the same things forever in the church. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty odd to, to have someone with great musical talent uh, be given a different assignment that doesn't utilize that talent. Um, and when they do, it's, it's a little shocking <laughs> that, that I wouldn't be in charge of all the music at a state conference <laughs> for once would be like, what? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, but I think that's just an example, right, of, of how we maybe could could see ourselves, like is suggested there at the end of verse chapter 3, um, changed into the same image of the glory of the sun over the course of our lives. Like looking in a mirror. 
he he's I think also in here not, to encourage them to develop you know to that every person has a part to play. In addition to that, he's he makes reference here to the Jews. Going back to what you'd referred to earlier about how oftentimes in among some in that particular tradition, it's the laws they right. lived. And it wasn't about who necessarily who they were becoming. Yeah. It wasn't about the spirit. Yeah. It was like about the flesh, more yeah. or less. It was just kind of going through the motions, checking off the boxes. Yeah, it was doing it instead of becoming. Just doing it. Yeah. And I love what he says here in uh, verse 3, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, mm. notice what he says, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. Mm. It's about the heart. It's the yeah. condition of the heart. It's about becoming like the Savior and, uh, and not just about those outward ordinances. And he later on talks about, he compares it to Moses coming off the mountain and how under the law of Moses and he brought the tables with him, uh, physical tables, yeah, you know, right. with all these laws. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had to have a, he had to have a veil placed over his, his face so you yeah. couldn't, you couldn't <laughs> see him. And you can tell, as we know from modern scriptures, that the people were not, at that point, willing to receive everything that Heavenly Father had for them. Yeah. And yet Paul then says, times have changed. The gospel has been restored. Yeah. We have the fullness of the gospel, and now the veil has been pierced. Yeah. We can have these marvelous experiences with each other. And, yeah, I, I love that. This is that's this chapter. This whole chapter is talking about the law of Moses. Is not it's not the law that mattered. It was mm -hmm. what our hearts were becoming. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that it's true that the struggle to do something, uh, to be obedient to some law, it tends to be an indication that our desire to become something isn't enough, mm -hmm. right? That, mm -hmm. that I struggle with this obedient thing. Mm -hmm. I don't desire to become the opposite of that sinful thing enough, or I wouldn't struggle with that. And so maybe rather than trying to overcome the individual sin or the individual behavior, we need to improve our desire to become the different thing. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. um, I think if we only focus on the task to accomplish, then mm -hmm. that's really all we're going to accomplish. Right. It's I'm going to walk 115 steps on the Sabbath <laughs> because that's what the task says I should do. Right, right. And I think that um, as we struggle to overcome, um, we, will be, we, will be, we will become accomplished as becoming is the thing that we're trying to accomplish, mm -hmm. not being obedient to all the laws, all the rules, mm -hmm. but if becoming becomes what I'm supposed to be doing, mm -hmm. then the laws and the rules are the means to that end instead of the thing I should do to be obedient, right? I mean, that, that isn't the whole purpose. The purpose is right. be obedient to these things so that you can become. And, and Paul says it's liberty that yeah. comes. When, yeah, you freedom. Fall, when you go in that direction and you want, want mm -hmm. to become then it's not a restriction anymore. It's not something you, oh, I've got to live this law. Yeah. I've got to keep the Sabbath day holy. Oh, I yeah. can't walk so many steps. I can't do this, I can't do that. It becomes liberating. Yeah. And, and, and you recall, I just, one, one of the thought about this was, 
you thought about uh, President Nelson and his invitation to us to have the Sabbath be sure. a delight. Sure. Yeah. How many of us, before he said that, <laughs> thought of the Sabbath day necessarily as a delight? I know it, right? But he, and he says this, I'm just going to read this portion of it, that's okay if we have yeah, time. Yeah, for sure. In my much younger years, I studied the works of others who compiled lists of things to do and things not to do on the Sabbath. It wasn't until later that I learned from the scriptures that my conduct and my attitude on the Sabbath constituted a sign between me and my Heavenly Father. With that understanding, I no longer needed lists of do's and don'ts. When I had to make a decision whether or not an activity was appropriate for the Sabbath, I simply asked myself, what sign yeah. do I want to give to God? That question made my choices about Sabbath day crystal clear. Yeah. And so is it in all things, right. right? It's not about checking the box off. It's about what, what kind of a sign do I want to show to my Father? What do I want to do to show Him that I really do want to become like Him? Yeah. Yeah, am I willing to set aside my desires and my wants to do the things I know He would want me to do instead? Mm -hmm. Even if that means I work 12 hours on Sunday from mm -hmm. 6 to 6 doing the work of the Lord, and mm -hmm. it is not like a typical day of rest might be defined. Mm -hmm. um, that was my last Sunday, and I got home and thought, is this right? Is this my imbalance here? I'm, I didn't even see my children all day long. And, mm -hmm. But as I got home and my my talked with my boy about what I was doing that day, um, his comment was simply, it's good that you're out doing good things, and mm -hmm. that's what the Lord would have me do. Mm -hmm. For sure, that shouldn't be every Sunday, right? But, right, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's important. What a principle, and it applies to so many different doctrines and topics, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. What's the sign that you want to show the Lord? Well, Brother Gagnon, this has been fantastic. I know we're, we, we've only gone through chapter 3, but... Um, if we were to jump, I know there's some stuff in seven, maybe, maybe six, a little bit. If you, if you want to take us in there and kind of give us some some thoughts there, yeah. skip around a little bit. Right. Uh, I'm looking, and I just like you did. I looked at verses one through thirteen, and I just wrote a little statement for myself. In, in chapter seven. In chapter six. Six. Second okay. Corinthians six. Yeah. Um, and I pulled out some words that you'll recognize in those verses. Leaders in the church are to succor and yeah. to serve in patience, afflictions, in stripes, imprisonment, long-suffering, kindness, love, teaching powerfully. I love the language he uses to describe serving with all one's heart, mind, and strength. If you look yeah. at verses 9 and 10 particularly, and I've just lost my uh, scriptures here, so I'll bring those up quick. Can you read those? Yeah, words? Nine, the, nine and ten. As unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as have nothing and yet possess possessing all things. I just love the language. That, that sounds like he's serving with all of his heart, mind, yeah. mind and strength when he goes through all of those kinds of things. Well, it's, it's interesting to me that verses 3 through 10, he lists 37 things, I've counted them, oh, wow. that are, way, well, in verse 3 he says, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God by, and then he lists all 37 things, right? Wow. Do this. Mm -hmm. Have have patience. Mm -hmm. Half of them are positive and half of them are things to avoid. Be patient. Have pureness. Have knowledge. Long-suffering. Kindness. Holy Ghost with you. 
love unfeigned, word of truth, power of God, armor of righteousness, honor, have good report, be true. Um, it, but then he, he, in the midst of all of those positive things, he's also um, saying you're going to be in affliction and you're going to lack. You're not going to have the necessities and you're going to distress. You're going to have stripes, be imprisoned, um, be watching and fasting. I mean, there's so many things. Um, you're going to have dishonor come upon you from the world. Evil, you'll have an evil report, deceivers, chastened. As we lead, leadership is lonely, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think about good men that I know that get placed in in priesthood leadership, and all of a sudden everything they do is questioned and and second second guessed, and mm-hmm. and it's hard to lead when uh, when those that we lead are looking mm-hmm. at our lives and lonely. picking them apart. Right? It's lonely. lonely, lonely. I love that. One other thing I just mentioned in that chapter for me is, um, and this goes back to what we talked about earlier: the salt and the contamination, mm-hmm. verses fourteen to seventeen. Mm-hmm. He just, again, this idea of don't be yoked with something that will lead to contamination. Yeah. And here it's don't be yoked with unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say we're not to reach out and be friendly and love, but we've got to be very careful that we don't allow what is influencing their lives, maybe in a negative way, sure. to influence us, because then we're going to lose that savor and we won't be able to help the rest of the world and even help our friends. Yeah, that we're talking. To. Yeah, thank you, John. I love that. I, you know, we we look back to the Old Testament sometimes, and the God of the Old Testament, Christ of the Old Testament, was very direct, very mm-hmm. clearly saying, "Don't mm-hmm. marry outside of the faith. Mm-hmm. Um, don't because that's going to cause uh, a lack of faith in you or your children, and it will cause the the family to go awry and go astray." And I think uh, we live in a time where. Uh, a lot of members of the church look at that council as kind of an outdated council. And uh, but 14, be not unequally yoked together with the unbelievers. What does it look like in our homes when husband and wife, mother and father are so contrary in their basic foundations? Hmm. Um, how, do, how are children to make their choices if that, uh, if that core belief isn't unified? Mm-hmm. Um, and and what happens? Well, I think typically, my experience and observation has been uh, a husband and wife who choose to to marry, even though those foundational core beliefs aren't the same. They defer to one another at different times in the child's life. They say, "Well, okay, as a uh, I'm picking an example, a, a mother that's faithful and a father that just doesn't believe in God." The father will defer to the mother and say, well, raise the children however you want. Well, the children are then go to primary and they go through church until they hit 12 or 13 or 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And then they become their own person where they're asking their own questions. And and then the deference goes to father. Well, father doesn't go to church, and so I, I don't feel like I need to go to church either. And so mm-hmm. we, we ship this child back and forth between belief and, and faith structures. Um, not that it's all bad, um, because I think... Uh, a child does need to have their own faith experience and growth and testimony mm-hmm. moments. and But where there isn't unity in the home, um, you know, I think we, um, we, cause, we ta- cause discord by making those choices. Even if mother and father can, can somehow work together mm-hmm. coherently and in, in love and righteousness, even with different faith, faith unions, uh, I think we we cause discord in the lives of our children, and and we err uh, in raising them 
maybe unintentionally, but mm-hmm. um, wanting to wanting to be so accepting, yeah. you miss the opportunity to to teach even clearly. Small deviations. Who was it that said small yeah. deviations in parents can lead to significant deviations in children? Yeah, it sounds like an Elder Ruchdorf with a mm-hmm. with an airplane analogy. Oh, could, right? The one percent off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, seven, anything else we, we, we need to touch on before we close here today? I, I just have loved sitting with you, and I always do. You know, John, I should say, this whole podcast has stemmed from many days sitting with you in my office or your office um, and just having these kinds of conversations and thinking, how wonderful would it be for the young adults in the world to just hear two institute teachers sitting and chatting about That's right. what we right yeah. and, and mm-hmm. how many times have you and I sat and mm-hmm. talked about the lesson for tomorrow that we're going to teach and what do you love and what do I love and how do you see it and, mm-hmm. and that really is what we do here is just sit and talk talk about what's what's relevant and maybe what's helpful and the way we see it anyway so That's finish great. us out here anything in seven I, we should look the at the only thing I as I look through that uh, there's so many things there's a a doctrinal mastery verse that we referred to in seminary there about what what uh, real uh, what godly sorrow is yeah. and what it's not. And maybe I don't know if it's a doctrinal mastery verse, but it was certainly a video sure. I recall showing what mm-hmm. you know what, what 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 that really is. So I another thing I just I love the chapter heading Godly sorrow for sin leads to repentance, the sorrow of the world leads to death. Yeah. And and again, it's about that change, right? If you, you certainly can go through the motion and just, like you said earlier, about it's not just about stopping behavior; mm-hmm. it's about acquiring a Christ-like behavior, mm-hmm. replacing it with becoming, you know, more like the Savior. Yeah. And godly sorrow moves in that direction, moves us in that direction, whereas worldly sorrow does not move us in that direction. Yeah. In fact, it probably just sets us up for the next fall yeah, exactly. in that sense. Mm. Yeah, maybe I'll just read that. Verse 9 and, yeah. 9 and 10, maybe a little bit of 11, uh, just because I think it's so well said. He says, Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us as nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, that you would change, that you would, mm-hmm. it causes us to be more careful. That is what godly sorrow really leads to, right? That mm-hmm. what carefulness it wrought in you. Uh, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire. What a, what a way to say it, vehement desire to become like Christ, right? Zeal, mm-hmm. what revenge. Uh, in all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. I just, I think Paul is such a, such a poetic writer in a lot of ways, but, but I love that, that message of godly sorrow. Am I remembering the video you're talking about as the, the gal who had... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, her and her fiance had gotten married, and then they or gotten engaged, and then they made some moral mistakes, and mm-hmm. and she felt horrified that she would have to put her date off because she couldn't get married in the temple. Mm-hmm. And the bishop, talking with her, said, "Well, you're feeling sorrow, but it's worldly sorrow. You're mm-hmm. not quite missing. You're missing the, yeah. the godly part of that." And, and it showed her going through, you know, really coming to that point where she then. She was so grateful at the end of that video, yeah. which is, I think that's an indication of how it really is. That's yeah. not just a, 
a story, just a nice story. And that's how it really is when we really uh, humble ourselves before God, willing to do whatever it takes. Then we experience true joy yeah. and become work towards becoming like our Father in Heaven. A carefulness is mm-hmm. wrought in us, right? So good. Love that. Brother Gagnon, thank you. I know that there was much more we could have touched on, and I'm sure you'd prepared more, but thank you for your time today. If there was anything you would want to say to uh, the young young adults, young people of the church, uh, I know in particular you deal and work with uh, those with adaptive needs in the Institute and all around the Valley here. Uh, maybe something directed that way, but, uh, but for sure, just a thought from you in closing that uh, might be helpful to the young people. Well, it's, it's really about becoming, right? When I think of those classes that I teach every week with those students, many of them have, in my estimation, I'm not the judge, but I feel around them that they are becoming. Mm-hmm. They aren't. Many of them are not held back by the same kinds of Hurdles. It seems like they have other hurdles, but but when it comes spiritually, they uh, just seem to have. They just seem to have. And I often say to them, "I want to be like you, Nick, or Mm -hmm. I want to be like you, Mike, or I want to be Mm -hmm. like you." And I really mean that because I sense that about their nature is that I want to acquire Mm -hmm. that that same kind of nature that they have. And uh, and and Paul's teachings here. I mean, that's what he's saying. It's about acquiring. A Christ, becoming a newness, having a newness of life, mm. becoming like Jesus Christ. There is we're going to find our happiness. There is we're going to find our protection. Mm. And so I invite the youth, young adults, adults, to focus not so much on checking off the box as to what will this activity or this event or this temple session or keeping this commandment, how, how will this help me to become more like Jesus Christ? And then look at it from that perspective. And I think that will just bring a tremendous amount of joy right. in keeping the commandments and doing all that we're told to. Yeah. Not because it's something we're saying we have to, but we want to because we want we love the Savior and we appreciate what He's done for us. And we want to become more like Him. Right. Yeah. Brother Gagnon, thank you. Will you come back and be with us again? I will. Okay. You bet. Thanks, brother. Thank you, brother. Boise Napa Institute are so grateful that so many of you out there uh, across the world are listening uh, from week to week. It's a humbling experience to uh, to have you out there listening and to think that anything that we say might have some value to others is, is wonderful. Uh, we think also that it's important that our voices aren't the only voices out there. So we've created a Facebook page called the Come Follow Him Podcast Group. That's the name, Come Follow Him Podcast Group. And we hope that this might be a place for our audience members to come together and share some thoughts and insights from week to week. In fact, we would love for that to be maybe even an institute class for some of you that are 18 to 30 years old. Each week, we're going to post a question relevant to the discussion that we had on the podcast. 
and we'd love to have each of you respond to the question or really any aspect of the discussion that we had. Once you respond there, someone from our institute will reach out after the first time you respond and find out if you want to take this as a class to receive some institute credit. All you have to do is three things. One is every week you'd listen to the podcast, which you're already doing, so good job. Uh, Second, log into the Facebook group. Again, that's the Come Follow Him podcast group. Find the question for the week, respond to that question, or again, make any comment you want based on the conversations we had, and you'd get credit for attending. We'll keep track of your comments, and if you've allowed us to register you for the online class, uh, we'd give you a credit for each week you participate in the discussion. And then anyone that uh, comments more than 75% of the time on posts that we put out there, uh, you'll get institute credit towards the class. So. Hopefully that's a a resource for some of you out there with institutes far flung from you. want that to be an option for you. Uh, Really, we want everyone out there to participate in this discussion uh, online. So no matter where you live, we'd love to hear your insights into the Come Follow Him conversations that we're having. And if you'd also like to institute credit, we can help you get that too. Either way, log into the Facebook page. Simply go to the search field and type Come Follow Him Facebook group. Again, that's the Come Follow Him Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you all just a little bit better as we all learn to come follow him.